0: We're rolling along here on a Friday evening, which has been uh, wet, ominous, stormy, windy, nothing but sunny. <laughs> so that's just the way it is. It's supposed to be a great day tomorrow for Fan Day. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, coming up in this hour of the show, well, we got lots to talk about. We'll talk Eskimos. We'll talk Stanley Cup Final. Uh, we'll talk about my uh, favorite Def Leppard story, which made me look really bad on the air one time with Reed Wilkins. Um, let's just say I played a song I he didn't like. Because, you know, you just assume you like everything. Like Morley Scott, who's in now. Don't you like every song of Billy Joel? Hmm. I guess.
2: (laughs) There's some I like less than others. I'm not a big Uptown Girl fan.
0: Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. That was later Billy Joel, right? Yeah. Where it kind of. Well, everything's later Billy Joel. Down. Yeah, guess, He's put guess. out an album in 25 years, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Um, thanks for coming in, Morley. Uh, first, let's hear from Jason Moss. The mock game happened today. It was 2:30 to 4:30. Really, the first chance for the uh, Eskimos of 2017 to really be tested, to really see where they're at. You know, far as the playbook, their knowledge base, because uh, no. Nothing was scripted, nothing at all. But here's
3: what Moss had to say after. The biggest thing that I get out of this day is it's not scripted. They have to think on their feet. You know, they don't know what play is coming up. They just go out there and react to what we do. And you can see who can play fast when they do that and who can't or who has work yet to do. Uh, in their playbooks and whatnot, so we've been at it for you know a number of days, and you know we've only had three or four installs in, and they've had those installs in for the last three days. So you know today should have been a, a really good mental day, but you know the month, mental bus or more because they didn't know what was coming, and it's the first time getting to see it, and the, the time clocks on them, referees are calling it. That was the other thing with penalties. And, you know we had more penalties today, um, but that's to be expected when you have the f- referees out for the first time, you know uh, looking at everything and judging every play.
0: So. You don't play three preseason games in the CFL. Uh, Depending on your preseason schedule, a mock game is what you see a lot. I mean, I don't know if Calgary is going to have a mock game because they play on Tuesday. Then they play against the Eskimos on the 11th and their regular season or their preseason is done. But the Eskimos have done this for the last uh, few years. It used to be part of Fan Day. It was more of a controlled scrimmage. But this is the second year in a row under Jason Moss where this is really a game-type feel, Marley. Yeah, and they did it, they kind of went
2: through uh, two days in one day today because usually day before a game they have a walkthrough. They did that this morning in the field house while it was raining and then uh, I think they probably had meetings and stuff and then they came back and went back out in the field as if it was game day uh, for the mock game. So, yeah, it's it, he does it differently. Every coach, you know, has a different yeah. way of doing it. And uh, Jason Moss, I was going to say, I was going to say he probably remembers as a as a player what he liked and maybe that's what he does but then he was asked about the, these games when he was a player, and he's—I don't even remember them. So uh, it's funny. The best story today, though, was J.C. Sherrett talking about his first mock game or green and gold game or whatever it was you call it. And, and he says he's convinced that he is only in the CFL because of the mock game. He said, "I didn't." He didn't think he was having a, a very good camp, and he said, "I made two plays late." That, that blocked a goal mouth stand. And he said, Rich Stubler, who was the D.C. at the time, didn't even know my name until that day. Right. Uh, and he said, that helped me make the make the football club.
0: So when you try to describe this game, and when you hear that story from J.C. Scherr, because I heard it as well, uh, this game today, it's not the real thing, but it's as close as you're going to get. Right? And no one's going to get cut after this game, I think, because it's, you know, I mean, it's just... I think it's just a game. Well, not after the game,
2: but maybe because of
0: the game. I don't know. Well, that yeah. could be. Yeah, it, it, it's part of the big... It's part of the resume
2: you build during a training camp, right. right? And I think if you had questions about a guy and you go into a game situation and you and those questions aren't answered, then, you know, he maybe moves a little bit closer to the bubble. Right. If you've liked a guy and he plays well in the mock game, he moves more the other direction or he moves back a little bit because this... You know the the phrase is you know and to quote Richie Hall, it's important when the lights go on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lights didn't really go on today, but it was a closer step to a game situation than yeah. than they'll get without being in a game situation. I mean, uh, they had referees, they had a, a play clock, uh, they had the play calls. They didn't have their they had no access to the to their playbook to look at their cheat sheets on the plays, and they had to make adjustments. The defense, the offense had to read the defense. The defense had to read the offense. It's as close as you get to. Being in a game, yep. and uh, some guys that'll be as close as they get to playing in a game, <laughs> if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's it's an important day, but it's you know, in the, I, I think in the big picture, it's not all that important, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a it's a big step for some guys, but not a big step for other guys, for the, especially for the veterans. I mean. Uh, Jason Moss said today, we know what the veterans can do. Sure. You know, if you've lost a step, we'll see it. Mm-hmm. But the, the veterans don't make or make or break the, their
0: their status in this day. I think what I noticed, and we all talked about it in the in the in the booth there at uh, at Commonwealth, the defense overall played pretty well, and I think. I was a bit surprised of how much ahead they are in the offense right now. There's only two touchdowns in the game, right? Yeah, that's you right. Know?
2: And you think about the Eskimo's offense is pretty good, right? And, and there was only two touchdowns, and one of them was kind of fluky. Yes. Right? It was a, a, a Riley pass that deflected off Darius Bowman to Vidal Hazleton, who uh, went the distance.
0: It was highlight of the night p- material.
2: Yeah, absolutely, but... <laughs> absolutely. And, um, and the other one was, uh, you know, Riley the Bowman so yeah, uh, yeah the, the the defense looked pretty good, they came around, they had a bad start. That first drive was tough. They gave up a long run, which J.C. Sherratt said he'll take the blame for, uh, and then they gave up the touchdown pass to Darius Bowman, but the, the defense buckled down after that and and played pretty well.
0: Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of the Eskimos, uh, joining me here on 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. We'll finally get to call a game on June the 11th here on 6.30 Chet, uh, down at the uh, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 3.30 is the pregame show. 5 o'clock is the kickoff on Sunday afternoon. Uh, June the 11th, then it's quick. Uh, the right, the <laughs> long wait to get to game one and then, and then boom, like that. game two's yeah. over
2: four days later. Right? That's right. Yeah. It's weird and then the Eskimos have a long time through training camp before they play. They go two weeks without playing the preseason game. Then they play two games in five days with three days in between the two games and then they get a nine day break before they play their regular season opener. So it right. is, is kind of weird kind of spread out. They, they don't get there's no real days off in this training camp, except for the day after the two preseason games. Yeah. Right? You're not supposed to get that many days off in training camp, but um, the Eskimos, just, you know, once once you get, you know, you don't get any days off early, yeah. and then by the time you start to wear down and get tired, you're going on the preseason schedule, and usually you get a week between games or at least a little bit more than they're getting now,
0: and you get a chance to get a day off, but it's not going to happen. And we should say that the schedule is going to be different or, or the format is going to be different from Game 1 to Game 2, because usually in Game 1 you're going to see yeah. more of the, uh, the hopefuls, the rookies, the, the players that are vying for spots, whether they're starting spots or, or spots on depth or spots, uh, spots for depth or spots on special teams. Then the starters play a long time in Game 2. It's flipped this year. So, and you're going to see a lot of starters at home, which is hey, good for fans. Yep. You know, you get to see yep. uh, you know your favorites uh, play early. Usually, that's a, that first game is usually when the uh, the starters play
2: a series or two. Yeah, and then when you start taking out the offensive lineman, that's when you start to take out the quarterback because you don't want <laughs> him out there with with the bar O line, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and usually that's it. But uh, then in the second game, they play into the third quarter. But because of the travel situation and the lack of ga- days between games, Jason. Mon- Moss has, has flipped that around this year. So he'll have the the vets, as you say, go through probably into the half at least, maybe a little bit into the third quarter because they like to, to go through the process of making halftime adjustments and then coming yeah. back. And uh, then in Winnipeg, as, as Moss told us last week when we, uh, when we broadcast live from day one of training camp, he said... We'll let the guys we know are on the team play in week one. And in week two, the guys who are fighting for jobs will get the opportunity
0: to win those jobs. Uh, Injuries have been the story again. And unfortunately for the third straight season, uh, the Eskimos lose someone in training camp for the year. It's Corey Greenwood, who's out with a torn ACL in his left knee. It occurred. Uh, the injury occurred on Monday. So now you got to go to your depth. And we uh, noticed on the sidelines today, we saw the depth is taking a beating. Yeah, Adam is in a cast on his or has a cast on his hand. I talked to him yesterday after practice,
2: and he seemed fine. And uh, then today, I noticed. Who's that over there? I see a cast on. And then I was looking through the binoculars. That's Adam Konar. Uh, and he wasn't on the field. So now the depth gets really tested. We talked to Jason Moss. I know you had to come back early to come back to get ready for the show day, but we talked to Jason Moss after, and uh, he said uh, n- nothing too serious. He said it won't keep him out of action uh, for more than today and tomorrow. He'll, he's expected back at practice on Sunday. And he said we've had guys with very similar injuries play through it. So he's expecting him to still be able to compete for that Will linebacker position.
0: Speaking of, and and before we talk about tomorrow and Fan Day, I should mention Shema Chambers in a practice uh, dealing with what we suspect is a hamstring injury. Uh, Brandon Zylstriff continues to rehab a groin injury which doesn't seem to be all that serious. It's just maintenance. Uh, Didn't see Joel Figueroa at all today. Uh, Their potential starting left tackle. Uh, Who else didn't play today? Uh, uh, Brian Mitchell, Mitchell wasn't yeah. out there. The running backs, Kendall Lawrence, yeah, uh,
2: that's right, Trayvon Van and John White, all set out. That opened it up for Ladarius Perkins, who was I thought pretty impressive. He had the big long run today. Yes. He broke tackles and uh, or touches. I guess they're not tackles, but uh, <laughs> he was able to break through and uh, and move the ball for a big chunky yardage. And uh, he looked pretty impressive actually. Uh, he's in a tough spot though, man. Yes, you got you got a lot of uh, a lot of experience, and and of course John White ahead of you.
0: Yep. And uh, tomorrow is fan day. It's a little different this year because we've had fan days at Clark Stadium. For the last number of years, of course, we were out in Spruce Grove a couple years ago because of the uh, Women's World Soccer Championships uh, here in Canada. But it's on the big field tomorrow, Morley, from one to four. Yeah, it's kind of cool, and and uh, the fans be on the big field too,
2: which is which is kind of nice. Or they could sit in the seats. It's I'm sure it's their choice. But uh, yeah, it's going to be at uh, on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium, and fans are going to be allowed to come right down on the track, right at field level to watch practice. So uh, you know, you've been you've been close like that at, at Clark, but I think it's a little different being mm-hmm. in. Commonwealth Stadium and being that close to the action, so that's going to be that's going to be cool for the fans uh, tomorrow, I'm sure. And uh, they've supersized it too. It's not just. Fan day and and the usual stuff. What you get? There's going to be food. but There's going to be a beer garden mm-hmm. for one thing. Uh, and uh, I understand there's going to be a DJ there to play some music. Uh, nice. The the usual uh, treats. I noticed today they're uh, they're setting up the ATM the the, the ATM machines right uh, the portable ATM <laughs> I machines. That. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you can get cash there if you don't bring it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's the you know they'll be selling tickets and they'll be, uh, be selling T-shirts and souvenirs and uh, I don't know if they, those uh, what do they call those fidget spinners. I don't know if they stuff Yeah, the as, as they look pretty cool. Yeah, I might get one of them. I can't broadcast without a pen in my hand, so maybe I'm going to try with a fidget spinner if I can get one, see how it works. But uh, yeah, they'll be uh selling all sorts of stuff. So it should be a, it should be a good day from 1 till 4 and my gosh, look at the weather. Beautiful. 26 degrees and sunny. Uh, for Fan Day tomorrow. Uh, and Fan Day's always windy, so we'll see if the wind kicks up or not. I <laughs> uh, remember that Spruce Grove a couple of years ago, all the tents were picking yeah. right up off the ground and almost blowing over. So uh, we will uh, we will see. But it looks like the weather's going to be terrific, and so you get an opportunity to watch uh, watch football practice from the field tomorrow on Fan Day.
0: And you and I, live show through yeah. the
2: yeah, we got to work uh, three till four o'clock tomorrow, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get the usual uh, cavalcade of stars to come over and uh, and talk to us about uh, not just about the the day, but about
0: training camp so far. By the way, if you got a fidget spinner in the booth, you might have to bring a temporary wall, which actually you might like. So okay,
2: well, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm open to anything. I'm open to anything. So
0: it'd be good to uh, do the big show tomorrow, and of course the broadcast on June 11th. And
2: let's remind people uh, the Great Cup. Is coming to Edmonton. Yes. Uh, the, the announcement will come on Monday, uh, two o'clock press conference, and we will carry it live for you here on six thirty, Ched. So, uh, lots of uh, lots of Eskimo talk over the next uh, few days here on six thirty, Ched, uh, three to four tomorrow, uh, and then two o'clock for the uh, Grey Cup announcement on Monday.
0: Thanks, Morley. See you tomorrow. Okay, Dave. Bye. All right, Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of the Eskimos.
1: This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
0: Well, it is good to be talking about the Edmonton Eskimos again. As it's 722 here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Poison's on the stage now. And then it'll be Def Leppard.
1: Is that breaking reports from Rogers? Poison's on the stage?
0: Nah, it was just... it was
1: prior knowledge. Oh, okay. But
0: really. well, I tried to make it breaking news.
1: Uh, I thought you had like a, you know, like a inside sports, uh, inside show special reporter for tonight down there. what <laughs> what? Well, well, like, I guess a concert in, but... insider was the term I was looking for, and I just <laughs> spun out of control quickly. But anyway. Like a Kelly uh, Rudy type, but just. Yeah, a, like a exactly. Goer, just goer, just, just yeah. folds yeah. it during commercial breaks It adds up and says, yeah, poison's on the stage right now. <laughs> Brett Michaels has just taken the stage, you know? Go, go, go. Yeah. That's... Needed to be on the air now.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, the mock game today for uh, veterans. Probably not as important. But uh, Mike Riley says it was a good exercise today. Yeah, it was good to
4: get on the field, honestly, with a play clock and some refs. um, And just, you know, the, I guess, sense of urgency picks up where it needs to. You know, there were some situations where the play clock was running down to the end and, you know, we're scrambling a bit and and getting into a quick snap situation, which happens during games. Um, But I think it was good for the the guys to see that it's not practice tempo. Um, But what they need to understand is that this was not as fast as games are not by a long shot. There was still, you know, a lot of leeway given, a lot of time in between drives and things like that. So I think that's the biggest thing to take away for the young guys today. Um, you know, I felt like offensively we came out pretty sharp. The first drive went really well. We executed very good. Um, but then over the course of the the practice, um, you know, things started to break down a little bit here and there. And so we'll watch the tape and figure out exactly uh, how we can maintain that efficiency that we started with. But um, all in all, I think we accomplished you know certain things that we needed to today. How important is this day in the big picture of training camp? Well, again, it's a first crack uh, for the young guys uh, to see it for the first time and for the vets to get back into the mindset of having that 20-second play clock and understanding down and distance and, you know, in practice when it's second and five and we incomplete a pass, you know, we run the next play. Uh, Out here we were punting and then the next group is up. So also kind of that reality that uh, if you don't get that 10 yards in two plays, you're done and the other team's going to get the ball. So, you know, Again, it's not like we had a new installation. where We were running new plays. We were just, uh, you know, going over the stuff that we'd installed up to this point. But just for the understanding of how the game flows, I think that was important.
0: So there was uh, some flow. There was some bus. There was penalties that looked choppy at times. It looked like it, you know, how you expect it would look the end of week one of training camp. You know, J.C. Sherratt was talking about today how, and he talked about with Morley Scott down on the field, and I heard the comment, and Morley kind of said, really, are you serious? But he said, yeah, I think I made the team because I made two stops in a mock game in 2011 as a rookie. Really? But uh, there was one play that... Uh, happened very early. In fact, it was the first touchdown of the game. One of the only, one of two touchdowns in the game. Uh, there was, I believe, four field goal attempts. But Ladarius Perkins, who was the only import running back today, because he had John White, Trayvon Van, and Kendall Lawrence, who were not available today. So Perkins cuts to the middle and then bounces it outside on the right side and J.C. Sherratt was just caught, just absolutely isolated, and J.C. Sherratt goes, I was totally unprepared for that play. So the game is fast for for veterans too. It's amazing how much football you forget over six months and training camp is definitely a whirlwind in week one. But we're getting closer to game number one for the preseason. Uh, The injury situation is interesting for the Eskimos. We'll hear from Jason Moss after the news about how you deal with the injuries. Is there a difference between being injured and being hurt? Do you want to try and stay on the field as much as you can? Stanley Cup Final Game 3 is tomorrow. Talk about that and much more here on 630 Chad Inside Sports.
4: This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. 7.34, one half hour to go
0: here at 630 Chet, Inside Sports. Game number three tomorrow, Stanley Cup Final. The Predators trying to make this a series. I think their chances are good just because they're so good at home. Will they win? Uh, Reed Wilkins thinks they will. Myself, no. But it could go six, seven games. I do believe that. But we got the game for you uh, coming up tomorrow night at six o'clock. Same time on Monday between these two teams for game number four. Then after that, we'll uh, see what happens. If there's a game five, that'll be on Thursday with the same start time of six o'clock. Scoreboard update brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. The Jays were up five, nothing at one point on the New York Yankees. They're leading. Now the Jays still leading 6-5, though, in the top of the seventh inning. So things have definitely changed in this game. The Jays playing some much better baseball as of late. I believe nine of their last 11, they have won. So they're really hot at this point. Their chances of making the playoffs still tough, but they're putting themselves in a position where they can keep this up after the All-Star break. They can definitely be relevant for another pennant race, whether it's the AL East or its wild card or you know the Jays have made it both ways winning their division and going through the wild card route the last couple of seasons so we'll uh, keep you updated on this game and around the sports world today Milos Raonic has advanced to the fourth round of the French Open when opponent Guillermo Garcia Lopez retired from the match with a left thigh injury Raonic was leading 6-1 1 love When Garcia Lopez stopped, it was the second retirement of the day. David Goffin was uh, forced out of his match with a right ankle injury. Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll says he believes Colin Kaepernick can be a starting quarterback, can still be one in the NFL, just won't be in Seattle for now. Seattle had Kaepernick in for a meeting last week as it continued to examine options at quarterback behind starter Russell Wilson. I'm trying to remember what CFL team has Kaepernick's neglist rights. I can't remember. Might be the BC Lions. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have the uh, neglist
1: rights for Johnny Manziel and for Robert Griffin III. That would be a fun read, just to, if you had access to that database of all of the neg rights and just some <laughs> of the names that would pop up, not only just in football, but yeah. there has to be athletes from other sports on there too. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of debate
0: whether the necklace should be public.
1: Like, who has LeBron's James neg, neg rights,
0: right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The Eskimos have LeBron James' neg rights. There you go. He's going to be, I don't know, what is he, 6'11"? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe a receiver. Who knows? He's got the hops, right? Uh <laughs> There you go. Anyway, uh, injuries are plaguing the Eskimos in the uh, first week of training camp. Of course, Corey Green went out for the season, torn ACL in his left knee, will go for surgery. Adam Konar was the option behind him at uh, Will Linebacker, but uh, he was uh, seen on the sidelines of the mock game today with a cast on his hand. Apparently it is not serious, should be back at practice on Sunday. But you have John White, their starting running back, and will be there starting running back again this year. He didn't practice today. Trayvon Van didn't practice. Also a running back, uh, Kendall Lawrence, who's back with the team after uh, a year away, playing for the Riders and the Ticats. He is back. We know what he was able to do in 2014 and the Grey Cup year in 2015. The receivers, Brandon Zilstra, should be back eventually, healing from a growing injury. Same with Shamat Chambers, dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Bryant Mitchell didn't practice today or yesterday. Uh, no, Joel Figueroa today. They're uh, currently their starting left tackle. Uh, there, you know, there's some injuries going on right now. So, does it hurt these players that they're not able to practice at this point? And is there a uh, difference between hurt and injured? Here's head coach Jason Moss.
3: Some of those guys, I mean, John White not being in practice for the last two days, does it hurt his overall? You know our our thinking on john white no uh, for other guys that are younger in our system are just first year players absolutely if you're out of practice it's hard to make our football club in the tub This, as they say um, we're big believers in that but at the end of the day when you're on the field and you're showing things you know we're going to remember that as well but uh, ultimately this game is played with you know our roster is very small so 44 guys got to be able to make our roster and then uh, be pros enough to make it through games, and being, um, you know, staying on the field is a is a, a true asset. Is it a fine line for a player to know when it's he's hurting enough that he shouldn't practice, or when he's hurting enough that he's got to fight through it. Yeah, I mean, there's certain players. I mean, a, a receiver and a DB with a hamstring problem is a lot different than an O line with a hamstring problem, or a quarterback with a hamstring problem. But a receiver and a DB with a shoulder problem is a lot different too. So, you know, you get to see who can fight through pain, who can fight through things. You know, um, you know that's part of being a pro as well, and and understanding your body and knowing what you can and can't play with. Now, if you're a rookie and you've never done anything, you might want to play through some things. But at the same time, there are certain things you can and can't play with, and we understand that. But and that's why ultimately, staying healthy. You know, is, uh, is something that's real and something we look for in players.
0: So the good news so far is that there's only one major injury, and it's a significant injury. Corey Greenwood, again, out for the season, Canadian linebacker, um, who was signed to flip the ratio at the Will linebacker spot, which is on the weak side of the field, uh, to a Canadian spot from an American spot. Last year it was held by Dion Lacey, who went to the Miami Dolphins of the, of the NFL. So they want to keep that spot Canadian. And Adam Konar's next man up, and today he didn't play in the mock game, so Blair Smith is the next starter. But if Konar's back on Sunday, then, you know, everything kind of settles down a bit. So so guys have to stay healthy as much as they can. And training camp is definitely a, a brutal exercise. So fan day tomorrow, they will practice, but I... Probably won't be a full-out practice. It'll be a bit of a, you know, a, I can't imagine they'll be in pads, but it'll be a bit of a slower speed practice. But you'll see, you'll see the guys full out, uh, one to four down at Commonwealth Stadium on the field, and it's going to be quite, quite the, uh, quite the festival feeling. I think it's always been fun at Clark. Clark has been a really good venue to host this event. Uh, out in Spruce Grove was a, was a really good event. But, uh, you know, this is an event that can attract two, 3,000 people. And there's potential at Commonwealth that it's going to be more. And it's going to be a beautiful day, 26 degrees. Not like what you're seeing out there now, which is uh, improving. But it, uh, it was quite the uh, late afternoon, for sure, with all the thunderstorms. But shouldn't it be that way tomorrow? We'll uh, be on location 3 to 4 uh, with a live show, Morley Scott and yours truly. And, yes, on Monday, Grey Cup announcement. This is exciting. Very exciting. Edmonton, looks like the Grey Cup's coming back in 2018, and Morley Scott and I will have uh, live coverage uh, down at Commonwealth Stadium from 2 until 3, right here on 6.30 Ched. It was between the Eskimos and the Calgary Stampeders, Kellen, and uh, I think uh, the Eskimos were going to win it. Edmonton was going to win it hands down well, you, because you, of
1: venue. You paired the two venues together, Commonwealth Stadium and McMahon Stadium, hands down, we've got the better venue. Yeah. And like in, I, I don't I don't feel biased in saying that at all. Hands down, the better venue is in Edmonton it's a real problem in Calgary right now because it is yeah the Calgary next
0: project is dead, yeah, which was a proposal from the Calgary Flames to build an arena and a stadium in the same area yeah basically walking distance from each other.
1: Yeah, together. it was an arena connected to a field house connected to a stadium, if I believe correctly. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah you, you got it exactly. That deal
1: scrapped. There's mm-hmm. a plan
0: B option, but it only includes the arena, which would be somewhere still, I believe, on the Stampede grounds. So the Stampeders are out in the cold as far as the stadium goes. I, I was on with Jock Wilson tonight on his show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded it earlier, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, they want to bid for the Olympics in 2026, and there's talk that McMahon Stadium would not hold the opening ceremony. It's to be somewhere in Olympic Park. And they badly need that yeah. that stadium put to bed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to just end, you know? So I think a big reason why they lost it is because of the facility.
1: Now, I know you don't like to badmouth broadcast locations in across the CFL and that stuff, but is McMahon Stadium publicly one of the worst locations to broadcast a game from in the league
0: it was the worst until you go to tim horton's field in hamilton really you wow. are insanely high up
1: oh okay just it's, tight
0: it's ridiculous and you're on the 10 yard line so your angle is you're high enough so you see everything but your angles are just absolutely mm, crazy. okay uh but i would say I would put Calgary above even Molson Stadium mm. in uh, Montreal as far as the worst, or sorry, uh, behind Molson Stadium as the worst. I think Molson Stadium's tougher, not because of the view or the the, the facility. I love the facility. The mm. facility's great. Uh, the view you get is probably the best in the Canadian Football League because you're up on Mount Royal and you can see the city, and, you know, because Montreal's an island, and you get to see a, a whole, you know, Oh, so much of Montreal from that vantage point. The problem is, Morley and I can't see the down and distance. Right. <laughs> so we're you know we're we're struggling to see you know where the where the chains are, where the second down, first down, where, where the yard marker is. So that's you're
1: craning your necks as
0: you're pretty, peeling out of the the studio there. Pretty much. Yeah. But Hamilton by far is the worst because you're so high up and you're you know on a yard line that isn't really helpful. So, but. It's a nice facility mm-hmm. the first year Tim Hortons field opened we were on the concourse in 2014 right that was great yeah that was a that was outstanding that was a great game too and the the energy in that stadium was great and you know now we're really high up and also
1: helped that you were within walking distance of like the Tim Horton's concession booth right with all the coffee and yeah you know, that was good all that stuff yes that was really good <laughs> <laughs> um, Here's a text. You can text in
0: at 630 thirty, six Are you going to talk about the rush in the third straight NLL, NLL final game? Well, you just did, so there you go. Uh, Callan, do you remember this from, uh, from uh, 20 years ago today? Ooh. You know it's coming.
1: Here we go. on the planet
4: and this just proved it I mean they said I couldn't run a corner but uh, I always said this is exposing Michael Johnson in his weaknesses in his race
1: this is just preparation we run a couple of twos this year and I plan on meeting them in his event you came out of the turn, you took the lead. You were leaving him two-thirds of the way through the race when he pulled up. Are you disappointed he pulled up and he, he didn't finish? He didn't pull up. He's a chicken. <laughs> he didn't pull up at all.
4: He's just, he's just a chicken. He's afraid to lose. I think what he should do is we should run this race over again so I can kick his ass one more time. <laughs>
0: now, a year prior, he won gold medal in Atlanta. Yeah. And he's a world champion. Mm-hmm. A world record holder. This all came about at the 1996 Olympics. This is where it started, when Bob Costas, who was the host of the NBC's Olympic coverage, pointed out that Johnson's gold medal performance in the 200 meter was faster than Bailey's 100 meter performance, that uh, the 1932, 19 seconds 32, that uh, Johnson ran was divided by two as 9.66 compared to Bailey's 9.84. Then Bailey later dismiss Costas's comments as a person who knew nothing about track, talking about it with a lot of people listening. So, there you go. Uh, And Donovan Bailey was, uh, you know, I, I covered Donovan Bailey at the 2001 World Track and Field Championships here, or sorry, the World Championships in athletics. He's a very cantankerous guy back then. Much better now. I mean, he's, you know, he's out of the game, and he's out of the sport, and he's an analyst now, and kind of coaches, and we've had him on this show a couple of times. Oh, it was Great.
1: fun last year at the Olympics watching him break down to grass versus Bolt. That was amazing. Just having him just in the booth and call, as as the color guy during that. And yeah. everything, just incredible. It was did, fun
0: to watch. The biggest question always will be, did Michael Johnson really pull up? Because he knew he was not going to win.
1: Well, here's the thing. is You didn't really hear much from Michael Johnson after that match race, did you? No. You didn't, and Bailey would go on for a few more years to be in the in the center of the spotlight a little bit in the in the in the track game and that stuff. Yeah, you I mean, what? like you, even in the United States, you could probably go down there and, and and show them a picture of okay, who is this track athlete? They'll be like Donovan Bailey. You show them a picture of Michael Johnson, they may struggle to kind of notice. Yeah, you know, for sure. Now another
0: unique, or not unique, but an interesting fact about this event is it was seven months in the making. Like it happened in June, and it was announced late in '96 that this would be happening in Toronto at uh, then Sky Dome, now Rogers Center. So,
1: big money for both athletes to participate in that, too. If I remember correctly, yeah, I think I, it was the the same the, the story going around at the same company that was brokering uh, the promotion deals for like not Don King, but the sublet company that Don King uh, King was using at the time to promote Tyson. And Holyfield and those guys was actually doing a lot of the promotion right. for this event.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm trying to find the uh, dollar amounts here, but I can't find it yet. So maybe we can uh, look that up and see, and we can talk about it after the break. Because uh, we got to take a break here. And uh, when we come back, I will tee up the uh, Stanley Cup final, game three tomorrow between Nashville and Pittsburgh. And I will tell you my favorite Def Leppard story in relation to Reed Wilkins, who's at Def Leppard tonight. Love is like a bomb, baby, come and get it on Living like a love That's why I'm here tonight, because Reed Wilson's Looking is like attending terror, Def like Leopard at Rogers now. Place woman, uh, I Thanks to Brendan Ulrich, who uh, stepped in and uh, join me in the first hour. A lot of talk about Brennan Alrick. If you want to find it, find the show page inside sports on 630Ched.com and uh, check out the, uh, the podcast of the show. Want to mention to you as well, Friday, June 16th, big day here at 630Ched for the uh, 24th annual 630Ched Gary Drager Memorial Golf Classic, which uh, will be taking place at the Lynx in Spruce Grove. Uh, Registration, $195 per golfer. Green fees, golf cart, tournament gift, foursome prizes, breakfast, dinner, silent auction. It's a really great event. Uh, Various hole activities. I've played this event a couple of times. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Various holes have, uh, you know, different sort of prizes, raffles, activities. And all net proceeds will go to 630 Chad's Santa's Anonymous that will... uh, Help to bring Christmas to over 25,000 Edmonton children each year. For full event details in the register, visit 630chad.com.
1: Okay, quit- Plus there's a green jacket for the winner. Ah! So you can walk around the office or whatever with a giant green jacket and say, Yeah, I was at the dragger. I won a green jacket. I did my.
0: I'm s- number one. I'm Sergio this year. That's right. I'm Sergio Garcia. There you go. There you go. Uh, by the way, the uh, appearance fee money for the 150 meter race between Michael Johnson and Donovan Bailey was $500,000 the winner received a million so uh, Donovan Bailey walked away with $1.5 and Michael Johnson for a pulled hamstring walked away with uh, $500,000 so that is that my favorite Def Leppard story was uh, I was uh, where you were Kellen Kennedy studio producing Oilers Now when Reed Wilkins was guest hosting right. this was years ago and uh I knew Reed was a big Def Leppard fan, so I thought I was going to be really smart and wise and go, all right, I'm going to play a Def Leppard song coming back. So here I am, just proud as a peacock, play the song, come back from break. I know the feeling. Reed says, "Uh, Dave, thanks for... I'm paraphrasing. Dave, thanks for uh, playing that Def Leppard song, but I really don't like that song. And I was horrified. I played Let's Get Rocked. Oh, okay. Now, that was 90s Leopard, and 90s Leopard started to kind of fade. They got better. Um, 80s Leopard will always be my favorite. Um, but, yeah, that's that didn't look too good. That A day.
1: lot of bands had that issue in the 90s. Uh, Van Halen was one of them. And, you know, the, the usual host of this show loves Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Yes. I can't stand Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. <laughs> I think that is the worst dribble that's ever been printed on plastic. It's terrible.
0: Game three Stanley Cup final is tomorrow. Who's going to start in goal for the uh, National Predators? Head coach Peter Laviolette.
4: You guys ran away with this one yesterday. So I'll say it again. As I said on the first day when we talked about Fisher and Wilson, which had nothing to do with a goaltender. We don't talk about lineup decisions. So that was what I said yesterday. I said nothing about a goaltender. I said we don't talk about lineup decisions. So to be polite and answer your question again, we don't talk about lineup decisions.
0: Gotcha. Okay. But that game will be in Nashville, or what they call Smashville. you got to think the Predators get back to this one tomorrow. But we'll see. The Penguins are still a very good hockey club. Six o'clock, game three tomorrow. From Nashville, Predators and the Penguins. Game 3 Stanley Cup Final right here on 6.30 chat just after 6 o'clock. Fan day tomorrow down at Commonwealth Stadium. Hope to see you there from 1 to 4. We'll have a live broadcast, Morley and myself, from 3 until 4. No show Monday because we have Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Reed will be back on Tuesday. Thank you very much for your texts, for listening, for studio producer Kellen Kennedy. Thanks, Kellen. Appreciate it. Have a good one. I'm Dave Campbell. Good night, everyone.